we got some work to do. This is the Advanced Scout with Tom Offerman and Matt Williamson. Pittsburgh Steelers come out of their bye and head to the Cleveland Browns to face off against their AFC North rival, Matt. The number seven seed in the AFC is on the line this year. Yeah, right. It's never too early to start looking at that, right? No, I mean, the Bengals are in first place in the AFC, (laughs) you know, right now. I mean, the the Ravens are in contention, of course. And right now, Cleveland would be the seven seed and the Steelers would be the eight seed on the outside looking in. So there is a lot on the line, of course. Steelers are barking right up their tree. It'll be determined who is that seven seed at least after week seven, or week eight, excuse me, once Mm -hmm. the Steelers and Browns games wrap up around four o'clock in the afternoon. As always, we'd like to give you a little series history between these two teams. Historic rivalry. It's a really interesting history. Obviously, a lot of this goes without saying with the Browns and the Steelers, but first meeting was back in 1950. The Browns won the first eight meetings and 16 of the first 18 games these two ever played. In fact, of the first 41 games the Cleveland and Steelers played, the Browns won 32 of those games. <laughs> dominant. So a dominant performance yeah. from the Browns to start things off in this series. But as always, Times with the, Steelers, change, the 70s right, yeah. come, and Pittsburgh's not the Cleveland Browns like they used to oh, be. Oh, they were the Browns, early. right, exactly. absolutely. right. Things and the Browns there. were a powerhouse. Exactly. Obviously, remember the Browns in the late 80s and 90s were much better, won 10 of uh, the next 12 meetings after 1983. Uh, with the Steelers, and then from January 94 to October 2020, listen to these winning streaks. This is crazy, yeah. Pittsburgh won seven straight games, then they won six straight games, then they won 12 straight games, then they won four straight games, then another four straight games, and there was an eight-game stretch in there in which the Browns were only able to muster up a tie. So it's back and forth between these two teams. Dominance on one side of the equation. It's never back and forth, really. Right, right, right. Steelers, unfortunately, with the recent trend of things, as we all remember, fell to the Browns twice last season, back-to-back games. They've lost three of the last five, including that playoff game, 48-37. to Overall, though, Steelers take a 75-60-1 record into this game on Sunday. So, yeah, with all the streaks in mind, the Steelers are still pretty handsomely in first place as far as this all-time series is concerned. Yeah, they are. And it started really bad for the Steelers, obviously, starting back in 1950. <laughs> Um, you know, it's interesting because there are some, some of we do this every week and sometimes there are those stretches. The seventies always belong to the Steelers, the Steelers and right. before that were bad, you know, yeah. I mean, these long time rivals and they, they haven't met in the playoffs very often. You hope that the streaks aren't keeping up now in the Browns favor. You know, I mean, they're a, a team no on the rise overall, you know, even though we're, the Steelers are kind of getting them at a good time. So I think it's pretty interesting that you look at this history. And I think what you just said there is what a lot of Steelers fans are hoping. Let's hope it's not an avalanche of Browns wins. Right. Like it has been on either for either team. Not the beginning the of the history that. of this. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's get into this current session of Steelers Browns though, and let's start with the offense. The Baker Mayfield less offense most likely. I mean, I don't think there's any need to bury the lead think there. He doesn't play. He probably's not going to play. And although the Browns will be getting healthier this Sunday, it's much to Steelers Nation's chagrin. It's probably going to be Case Keenum over Baker Mayfield and. Matt, I think the biggest difference you get is you downgrade as far as your down-the-field vertical passing threat is concerned. Baker averages 9.6 yards uh, per depth of target. That's good for 10th in the league. Keenum's is just around 7 yards down the field. That's only .2 yards less than Big Ben's. Yeah, right. Everyone gets on Ben for that, right. Exactly. So as far as this Browns offense is concerned without Baker, the main thing I think you're missing is that vertical passing attack. Yeah, Baker's an aggressive guy with a big arm and, you know, 
run, run, take shots. You know, I mean, they, they run the ball extremely well. We'll get to that, of course. Um, it's kind of like last week when we talked about Geno Smith versus Russell Wilson. It's a really small body of work. And, of course. You know, you know, he gets thrust into a Thursday night game. You're going to play a certain way. Now you have 10 days to prepare with Keenum as a starter. Do they open it up a little bit more? We'll see. I mean, it's kind of a little bit harder to get a grasp of Keenum as a quarterback, of course. But he's been a league a long time, and he's a successful backup. And, you know, they were very much in, you know, conservative mode last week, of course, against a Denver team that's not a super high-flying unit either. So, you know, I would imagine it'll be more of the same. I think you heard Tomlin kind of echo what you just said in the his press conference this week, you know, saying, you know, they plug five in for, for six, and that's a veteran football player that they have yeah, right there yeah. who's been around the block. I mean, I was in the NFC Championship game not too long ago, and yeah. he was the guy that led the Vikings there, playing the majority of the season for them at starting quarterback. So it's not exactly like it's a massive downgrade, at least in my mind, no. from Baker to Keenum. And I don't know what that says. Maybe that says a lot worse about Keenum. I think about it says Baker, both, right. But, you know, it's it's still not a slouch that's stepping in at quarterback. Right. Here. I mean, I think this also speaks to Baker, but when Stefanski took the job, the first thing they did was sign Keenum, you know, who they were in the Vikings together they and need a, a, help a install the system. Right. Familiar. Things go completely south. And it's not a ringing endorsement for the starter either. And, and frankly, Mayfield hasn't played very well this year. And I have some questions about him, but especially since he's been fighting injuries, he's really been suspect. So I'm not sure who Steeler fans should root for to be the starter in this game. That's what I think, too. Yeah. As far as not to get too far off on the side here, but. If you had to pick between Chubb and their tackles coming back yeah. and some of their wide receivers getting more healthy or Baker playing, I, I think 10 times out of 10 you pick Baker playing over oh, all those yeah. other guys. And, I mean, who's going to hate how, getting hit and how rush How often things do you say that and, about a team? That you'd right, rather right. have that starting quarterback on the bench and, yeah, give me the skill position. You know what I mean? It's, right. It's like, we weren't saying that about Seattle last week. Ex exactly, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Exactly. As far as targets for Keenum, Wide receiver snap distribution was pretty skewed last week because People Jones, of course, being out. Yeah. Landry and OBJ were fighting injuries, so Rashard Higgins and Anthony Schwartz saw a lot bigger workload mm -hmm. than they're used to. That didn't stop Landry and OBJ from leading the team in targets last week, though. In fact, this is an interesting stat. Beckham leads the team in targets despite only playing five games this year. Maybe forcing the issue a little bit there with number 13. Yeah. That's been a lot of the criticism of Baker, I think, in Cleveland. And that hasn't worked now. well between no. the two of them. And you even read some crazy things this offseason, like, boy, the Browns are better without Odell. I mean, I guess there's an <laughs> argument for that. But, I mean, because they started playing better when he got hurt last year. But I don't think that's a direct correlation. You know, I just think the team was getting better. A young head coach was figuring out and Baker was playing better. Um, they're they're – the receiver distribution is interesting because they've constantly been shuffling guys because of injuries, and they're playing some young dudes, people Jones and Schwartz, like you mentioned. Um, but it, I think it is pretty clear that ideally they want to feed Beckham. They want to feed Landry. If you watched the game last Thursday, though, those two looked like shells of themselves. You know, they were, they were gutting it out. No question. And Peoples-Jones, I think, is a big miss for them when he's out of the game. He had played the most snaps for the Browns at the receiver position up to that point, of course. Yeah. yeah. Odell missing time, Landry missing time contributes to that. But top three receivers, two of them banged up, and the third one just out completely. So right, right. definitely not the full repertoire of weapons that Keenum had at his disposal that Baker's used to. But even so, he was able to spread the ball out throughout the game. He had multiple targets to nine different receivers, and he even threw one to Johnny Stanton 
his 10th targeted player and on the receiving end of his only touchdown in that game. So a fullback. Case Keenum really spreading that wealth around in that offense, something to keep an eye on heading yeah. into this Pittsburgh game. There might not be just uh, – like you said, they want to feed Landry, they want to feed OBJ. That might not be the case with Keenum, though. It might be more right. whoever's open, take him right away. And it might be due to injuries, but it's kind of been a theme throughout the year, too. I mean, I'm sure we'll get into their tight end usage. It's, yes. uh, it's unlike anybody else in the league. I mean, by a it, wide margin. By a wide margin. I mean, it's bon- – let's just do that. I mean, they, I know you have the numbers in front of you. I mean, and that kind of contributes to this, that they have a lot of guys, but they don't have a guy. Exactly. They utilize 13 personnel, three tight ends on the field, 21% of the time. No That's unheard other, of. No other NFL team even uses a 10% of their snaps. Yeah, uh, yeah. Austin Hooper played 46 of the snaps last week. David Njoku was on the field for 42 plays, and Harrison Bryant had 30 snaps as well. So those are the big three that see the field for them at that tight end spot. You know, I think it makes sense, though, when you're a team that's identity is to run the football like they yeah, do, to just yeah. get as much beef out there as you possibly can. Yeah, and Njoku's their receiving leader this year. He's had one big game, really, and then other than that, his usage hasn't been super exciting. It just kind of shows that they're throwing a lot of things at the fan right now in terms and of pass catchers. And he's a specimen, catchers. too. He Njoku. is. Like, he's a playmaker waiting to break out, I think. Yeah, I know he's probably been sort of disappointing for Browns fans, considering he was 27th pick in the of draft course. or whatever, and, you know, he's very talented. Sometimes it just takes a little while with tight ends. I mean, he, he scares me a little bit. And going back to the 13 personnel, I think what Steeler fans better get used to seeing is opposing offenses using a lot of heavy personnel against this defense, too. I mean, with the, the thought of we want three defensive linemen on the field for the Steelers. You know, they're base 3-4 because it's really Cam – and a bunch of and dudes. a bunch of jabronis. Right. Really, I mean, that's you know? better than your fifth and sixth defensive back being on the field. No, absolutely. And, yeah. you know, people probably saw that in the second half of the Seattle game. They'll look For at sure. film and see, look at how they beefed things up up front. And Alex Collins got a lot of easy runs because mm-hmm. of that. And now I think that this week is really going to put that on film for the rest oh. of the league because, like you said, with a fullback and three tight ends, and they and do right. it more than anybody else by a wide margin. And oh, by the way, they're probably going to get Nick Chubb back, one of the best right. running backs in football. They're the second best rushing team in the NFL according to rushing yards per game, uh, and they use their running backs. Only thirty-five of their two hundred and twenty-seven rush attempts have come from non-running backs. Yeah, it's about yeah. twenty-seven point four of their carries per game are the running back position. Good. Why wouldn't you? You got a, sure. the best battery in the NFL between yep. Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Obviously, Kareem Hunt's not going to be available in this game. Ernest Johnson played pretty well, though, so I think he'll be played able great. to handle what he's given. But I think it's going to be the Nick Chubb show on Sunday. I, I think Me he's going to be feature back, Derrick Henry esque, 29, 30 carries in this game. Never leave the field. Really. I 100% agree. And I think he rivals Henry as the best ball carrier in football. And you mentioned Johnson. I'm sure a lot of people watched it Thursday night. He was very impressive. He ran with great energy and fresh legs right. and, like, his job was on the line, which it is. And and he had 13 personnel out there all the time, helping right. him clear the way. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, and a great offensive line. Yeah. We didn't mention that, especially on the interior. Um, but with all respect to Johnson, if that's Chubb in that game, he might have two and a quarter. You know I mean? He, he might have no had question. 80 more yards. Fourth in the NFL in rushing right now. He's only 50 or so yards behind second place on that list. Everyone is behind King Henry by 290 That's yards at least. He's almost 300 yards ahead of second place right now. It's not even Halloween. No, it's insane. <laughs> you know, but right? I think it's just as impressive that Chubb's only 50 yards behind second place, having missed one game already this year. And Hunts in his backfield, too. A couple games already this year. He's missed yeah. two games this year. Exactly. Hunts in his backfield. Right. 
probably having to do a lot with that is the fact that he averages 5.8 yards per carry. He can so hit the home run. That's a first rarely, down every yeah. two times he touches the ball on average. He's and a superstar. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, you said he could hit the home run. He's got the speed. He's got the size. He's got the power. Yep. I, I do think as far as a complete just traditional kind of style running back it's derrick henry and then it's nick chubb in the nfl i agree i think it's I agree. one two right i mean there. they're not the receivers of mccaffrey of and course. kamara and all those things and the the steelers are hoping they'll get a combination of all the above with harris someday or sooner than later maybe but just handing them the ball 1980 style just running yeah. behind a, a good line and pounding it out those two are at the top of the list and um, Chubb's really subtle with his movements, and he runs low, and he's a, a very impressive player. And, and you're right, it's going to be his show today. Uh, uh, I think so, 100%. Yeah. And their commitment and success in running the football translates to the highest time of possession in football. They hold on to mm -hmm. the ball 33 minutes and 43 seconds. That is by a pretty considerable margin when you think the Titans, who are in second place, also one of the better running football Similar. teams. Similar, right, right. They hold on to the ball over a minute longer than Tennessee does in – on average, and yep. like you said, that's a ton. It's all credit to that running game, uh, I think. And before we move on to the defense, you mentioned it's one of the best offensive lines in football, and it will get Wills back and most likely get Conklin back for this game. So it's going to be fully healthy again mm -hmm. after missing both of those tackles against Denver. Didn't really seem to bother them against Denver. No. Only going to improve, I think, that running game this week with all of those hogs healthy up front and their tight ends being thrown in there as well. Yeah, I don't think there's a whole lot of mystery of what their game plan is with Chubb back, an offensive line that's as good as any in football, uh, and keep the Steelers in heavy personnel and give it to their stud back and go from there and take things off their quarterback's plate. I think that's absolutely what they plan on doing. Uh, last offensive note, and this doesn't exactly speak well for Baker either, but it, you know, it doesn't matter for Sunday, especially if he doesn't play. But the Browns have more salary cap space invested in their offense than any team in the league. I think it shows. And they're not paying their quarterback. <laughs> right. You know, it's right. not like they have a $40 million quarterback. He did all up. It kind of shows what they think of Baker. No question. But, you know, they got a lot of money invested across that whole offense. And honestly, you can't find a hole in that offense mm -hmm. except for maybe that quarterback position. Right, which right, might right. Be the most glaring hole and the one spot you can't have any hole whatsoever when you want to win a Super Bowl. Uh, let's move on to Miles Garrett in that Browns defense. Definitely, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. Yeah, that guy. Definitely sought to improve their defense this season from last year. And for the most part, I think it's been pretty successful. Their top 10 in yards allowed in both total and passing yards are the second-best rush defense in the NFL behind yeah. only Tampa Bay. But the weird thing is they give up 23 points per game. So yeah. although they're top 10 as far as yardage is concerned and top two as far as rushing yardage is concerned, still giving a lot of points up as far yeah. as what that you, – you'd expect them to kind of be more towards the top 10 in that category too, not Good towards point. the middle of the pack, which they are. What I've noticed, what I think those numbers show and the film backs up is <sighs> – we talked about their team building. They were very aggressive, as you mentioned, in going out and getting more defensive help. First round pick, Clowney, Johnson, the safety. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're spending money on those dudes and attacking a weakness. But I also think, as a result, and I don't have this in front of me, but I think that basically they have eight new starters on defense compared to last year. Wow. And and there's been a lot of. There's some, been some growing pains, communication problems, blown coverages, things like that, that you hope they don't get fixed up, <laughs> you know what I mean? This week, yeah. But you would think it's probably coming just from playing together more. Um, the other defensive note I think is is, impre is noteworthy, though, is the Notre Dame linebacker, J.O.K., Owosu Koromora, 
Many of us were shocked he fell to the second round. He looks like a top 10 pick. And One of the better out. picks of this draft. Yeah. Getting him he in the second round. He flies all over the field like Palomalu. You know what I mean? Like, he is a really standout player, and he's hurt, too. So, their second level's a little in flux right now. No question. We'll get to that second level in a second. As far as that run defense is concerned, they're looking at the guys up front. Defensive line is basically just Malik and Malik. Malik Jackson yeah. and Malik McDowell anchor that interior. Uh, you told me on our little notes here that Garrett and Clowney, they'll kick in from time to time. Sure, but passing why, downs. Why wouldn't you whenever you have those guys up front, you know, give yeah. the offense a little different look. But for the most part, it's going to be Malik McDowell and Malik Jackson, and then, of course, Garrett and Clowney as the two defensive ends. I think those two are the heartbeat of the defense. And yeah. I think it's mainly Garrett that's pumping that heart, obviously. Um, they're the only two with multiple sacks on the team. But Garrett has nine and a half. He has nine of, and a half of yeah. Cleveland's twenty sacks, so he has almost half of the team's total in sacks. He had five sacks in one game and against the field. Some of that goes with a grain of salt. It was Justin Fields' but first still, start. Five sacks but they, one game. I, I haven't seen a defensive performance like that in a long time in the NFL. Just uh, tons and tons of sacks and just total pressure on Fields. And Clowney has three and a half sacks, but Clowney I think is really underrated in the run stopping game. I think that's yeah. where he really makes his money as far as that. I mean, they're clearly specimens. Both yes. were first pick in the draft. I mean, they, you have to be quite the defensive player to be the first pick in the draft. They look the part, of course. And you're right about Clowney, like. He's not a real natural pass rusher. He's just a disruptive player. Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of a bull in the china shop, just messes stuff up, especially against the run. I mean, he's really hard to run against. Well, you mentioned JOK being out in the linebacking unit. Um, like I said, I think he was one of the picks of the draft to grab him in the yeah, second round. Really it's, it's such a steal, and thank God the Steelers won't have to deal with him. Uh, Anthony Walker seems to be the guy replacing him. He never left the field against the Denver Broncos. They spread the wealth in that linebacking unit, though. Five different ones have at least 99 snaps this year, and Mac Wilson's the only one that's appeared in all seven of their games. So not a lot of continuity so far in that linebacking no. unit. And as you'll find out as we move on here, not a lot in the defensive backfield either. Right, right. Uh, they're really searching for answers yes. there, you know, without question. I think their defensive personnel usage is interesting. Uh, frankly, the linebacker situation, like you referenced, are – uh, they're searching, you know. It'd be, it, it's not like, boy, we got two guys we love and they're playing all the time. They don't have the Bush Schobert situation. No. They're kind of looking to see who can emerge out of the group. And I think eventually it will be JOK. And he when did. He stays healthy. Yeah, exactly. But it's he's just, small. He's, he's really small. Yeah. He might be finding himself on that IR a little more often than he'd hope because of his his plays aggressively too. Yeah, and his aggressive style of play. Good point. Uh, like I said, looking at the secondary, although Newsom and John Johnson never left the field last week, four other defensive backs were in the game 58% of the time. Nine defensive backs have played at least 21% of the snaps so far this year, and seven different defensive backs have played at least 39% of the time. They're searching for answers, and when you look at their inability to create takeaways, I think that's yeah. why you see a lot of shuffling of chairs back there. And mm -hmm. in that linebacking unit, just five takeaways so far. Only the Jags, San Fran, and the Jets have fewer. The Steelers, by the way, also have five takeaways on the year. So. Yeah, the, the plus minus is exactly the same. Right, minus two. Interesting. So yeah. two teams that have defenses that do a lot of good things mm -hmm. but aren't turning the ball over and are giving up points. Yeah, so. I mean, the, the Browns are allowing big plays, not making big plays on defense with the exception of sacks. Yes, um, which they're a phenomenal. Yeah, and they've been really good. And a lot of it gets skewed because of one game, but that still happened. Yeah, and can't take it away from him. Miles Garrett's good. <laughs> right. You know, right. right. Um, the last note there, too, though, uh, th 
ideally, I think the Browns want to be in nickel and dime. You know, they, they're just the way they spent their money and all the defensive backs they've added and kind of ignoring linebackers over the last year or two, team building. I think they want to have four-man front, those four guys you mentioned, yeah. a linebacker or two, and a lot of defensive backs on the field. But what's kind of odd is, yeah, but they've been really good against the run, but not the pass. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Exactly. So it's sort of odd, yeah. couple key matchups to throw by you guys before we get out of here. The first being Browns running back Nick Chubb slash Dearness Johnson versus Steelers linebackers Devin Bush and Joe Schobert. I think like we mentioned earlier, Kinda it's going to be saying, mainly yeah. Nick Chubb in that uh, right. category. Matt, you mentioned one thing that is plaguing these inside linebackers is how poor this play is in front of them. You've yeah. mentioned this in the past that you're letting the line get to the second level, and Way these too much. guys aren't built, Bush and Schobert, to eat these big guys' blocks. They're, yeah. they're, they're suited to run free and, and hit Kirkland. the running back. Right, right. So I, I worry not only about Chubb getting to the second level and breaking tackles from them, I'm worried about this Browns offensive line getting to the second level and just wreaking havoc in the running and game. And the fullback. Yeah. And even tight ends. And, just you know, popping yeah. Bush right in the nose, and then all of a sudden you got Chubb running down the field for 15, 20 yards. Yeah. I mean, uh, Bush and Schobert aren't designed for that. And. People have been hard on those two this past week, and I get that, but I think that people are sort of ignoring that the lack of defensive line doing their job too and eating blocks and forcing double teams. And we don't need Casey Hampton back in, Joel Steed and those type of guys. <laughs> the world's changed, but it became very obvious. You mentioned Seattle. It sure looked like they came to the line of scrimmage and said, we're going to run at the defensive lineman not named Hayward. You know, yeah, exactly. And that's going to keep up. And, and the linebackers aren't really equipped to deal with it. And that's what worries me most about this game. Really? Because my next this next key matchup is maybe what worries me most mm, about this, this game. This isn't so great either. No. The Steelers' <laughs> offensive tackles versus Browns' defensive ends, Miles Garrett and Jadeveon Clowney. Of yeah. course, Chukwuma, Korfor, and Dan Moore have been playing the brunt of the snaps at offensive tackle. Zach Banner probably gets back in the mix this week, I'd have to imagine. Getting I think activated before the Seahawks game, not playing in that game, but mm -hmm. now he's had another week, gets two weeks of practice under his belt. I think he'd probably be up to speed enough to yeah. not start, but at least help, maybe start. I, I don't, I mean, well, well, when I wrote this and when we're recording this, it's not clear who the two tackles are going to be for this Sunday. For this Sunday, I'm sure when people are listening to this, they'll be like, Okay, Banner's the right, Chooks is the left, or Moore's the left, whatever. Throw all three of those names in a hat, though, and take them out, and any combination you get still terrifies it's me trying still, to stop Miles Garrett. That's it's all, still yeah. not in the Steelers' favor, yes. Uh, I know so Chooks had a good performance against Von Miller, but Von Miller's sure. kind of fallen off a little bit after his hot start, and yep. Miles Garrett's Von Miller in his prime right now. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's. you can have the conversation if T.J. Watt or Miles Garrett's the better player. I mean, Absolutely. Yeah. That, that's the thing, Steelers fans. You're facing another T.J. Watt. I and I think about how, it, but think I think about how your tackles are slightly played. better because he's 275 pounds. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's a bigger person. Scary matchup, yeah. no doubt, in this game. That'll do it for us here on the Advanced Scout. From Matt Williamson, I am Tom Offerman. Thanks, as always, for listening to Steelers-Browns at Cleveland this Sunday at 1. And then we'll talk to you next week on the latest edition of the Advanced Scout.